This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You know, I'll tell you, it was one of my favorite things about Saturday and making his return to the Pittsburgh Penguins, paraphrasing here. Chris Letang. Talk about nails, right? Guy misses 12 days after a stroke. That's it. 12 days. Chris Letang back in the Penguins lineup, only missing five games. Here for comments on this and other Pittsburgh Penguins stories is the great Josh Getzoff, Penguins radio voice. Josh, how are you today? Jeff, I'm great. Great to be on with you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Um, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think it put a smile on all of our faces, although, and I know even though doctors have said hockey is not going to worsen the condition um, that he has right now, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, like, Part of me is a little bit conflicted. Again, having never been a doctor, only played one on radio and television various times to describe <laughs> sports injuries. I'm like, A, that's nails. Good for him. He's got the MMA mentality. He's a hockey player that fights through everything and always wants to come off the, the stool in the corner and swing another round. And the other part of me is like, guy just had a stroke. <laughs> what you, like, what are we doing here? Uh, how did you see? Well, first of all, I mean, I'm happy that he's fine. Uh, how did you see Saturday? Yeah, I think, you know, there's two sides to it. As you said, you hear the word stroke. He said it. Mike Sullivan said it. It's a scary word because, I mean, normally you don't connotate good things with that word and usually what the subsequent fallout is. But um, as the Tenguins doctors have said and Latang mentioned that, you know, this was not as severe as the first stroke that he suffered back in 2014. And he was back on the ice within days of suffering and not necessarily working at a high tempo speed, but, you know, being active, skating, doing things that would tend to lean towards the progression to returning to game action. Although I don't want to, I don't think anyone thought that that return would happen, as you mentioned, 12 days after having the stroke uh, and only just five games later. But I will say this, you know, going into the building Saturday night when Mike Sullivan said uh, there was a, a possibility that Latang would be available for the game. He doesn't say things like that. Uh, unless players are available. So there was an immediate buzz yeah. after he said that Latang would come back, and then he came on the ice for warm-up, and there was a great roar uh, in the crowd there that night, and um, obviously it just added to a special moment. Um, but, yeah, really surprising, but in a good way to see him back. Uh, as you said, nails. That's the best way to describe it. Well, you know, one of the best ways that I've heard um, Chris Letang describe, and this is someone that, you know, knows him, has, has, has worked out with him, has trained with him, you know, has, has, uh, this person told me a few years ago that he, um, he's a hockey player, but he trains as if he's uh, an MMA fighter. And he has that mentality about, like I mentioned, like always coming out of the corner, always, you know, there's always another round, always another round, never quit, all of it. You're closer to Chris Letang than I am, obviously. Uh, is that accurate? Does he have that type of, you know, UFC fighter mentality? He's a freak. Um, and I, I, I say that as a compliment. He, he, uh, he works out like nobody I've ever seen before. We've all seen the Instagram videos that have come out in the off season with him in uh, Montreal and doing his training up there with John Chamberg and that crew. Um, but back in Pittsburgh, this is a guy that is on the ice, you know, it sounds cliche, Jeff, but it's true. He's one of the last guys off every single practice. He's always working extra. Um, he's always doing something extra to keep himself at the top of his game. Um, and he does a lot of work behind the scenes, too, in the weight room and on the bike. Uh, there's just a constant commitment to his fitness, to his uh, – 
just mental strength uh, and physical strength on a day-to-day basis. And it's impressive to watch because you, we now know, I mean, there's been some serious health ailments that have hit him over the course of his career, um, and he's battled through. And, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit from the physical side, but yeah. really also on the mental side, Jeff, because I don't know, if I was told I had a stroke, I'd be a little nervous to even go for a run. You don't know what's happening inside of you necessarily, but this is a guy that, you know, went right to work with the doctors, uh, figured out that he was in a good position and hockey wasn't going to do anything to threaten it. Uh, And as I said, you know, the next day he was back on the ice uh, a bit more gingerly than he was a couple nights ago and will be again tonight. But, uh, you know, he just has a a drive that is pretty unique uh, and it's special to see. Uh, it really is, and you know the main thing is that he is healthy, which I think made everybody you know a little a little happier on on Saturday. Um, I'll tell you what. So the band's back together for one more kick at this. You talked about this plenty. This is the overriding uh, story in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know that any of us thought that Sidney Crosby would kind of put together this like heart trophy type season uh, at, at, at his age with all the miles that he's put on his body. But how, I mean, in your estimation, how close is he to being in that conversation now? I'm obviously biased, Jeff, but I think he's in the conversation because, you know, as the Penguins, it sounds, you know, easy to say, but it's true. As the Penguins have gone this year, so has Sidney Crosby. He's been their best player um, throughout the year. I mean, yeah. he's up to 38 points on the season. Uh, I think of those 38 points, I want to say 30 or close to it or at even strength. Um, so he's been he's been unbelievable at five on five. While the Penguins' power play has sputtered, you wonder if the power play had been uh, even if even at twenty five percent this year, uh, how many more points he might have uh, to his name this season. But he's been exceptional, and you know it's it's always with Sid. It's not just the points; it's the little things. He wins the important faceoffs. He's in his own end. Uh, you know, positionally sound. He blocks shots. He's he's out there killing uh, the final moments of power plays for opponents sometimes and, and you know, changing the uh, course of the offensive flow up ice for the Penguins as a result. Um, it's just little things like that to me that stand out to him as much – stand out to me, rather, as much as the points to do because he just means – it's easy yeah. to say, like I said, but he just means so much to this team. Uh, and it's been impressive to watch it just be so consistent year in and year out and game in and game out. And the focus is always there. And, you know, I think, you know, the last couple games going up against Tage Thompson, that was probably exciting for him, another new young player to face. Uh, he'll get reacquainted with Joe Pavelski tonight uh, with Dallas coming into town. They've had their moments, obviously, in the past. Um, so I think the, the, the competitive fire is still burning pretty uh, bright for him, and uh, it's been an inspira- inspiring to watch him play this year. Yeah, did uh, any of the Penguins comment on on Tage Thompson? Like, here's a guy that I I went on about this over and over and over again last week. I still can't believe that Granado didn't put him out more in the third period. He's, you know, he's chasing one yeah. of the all time a record that stood for over a hundred over a hundred years here, and they're they're sitting him down. And Buffalo Sabres fans are saying, "Hold on a second here. Like, we've had feathers for like the last fifteen twenty years. We're getting fed a steady diet of a nothing burger, nothing sandwiches. And give us something." <laughs> Let one, give one of our guys a chance to cozy up next to one of the all-time greats and a record that stood since 1920. Give us something, you know, more than just a, a handful of shifts and, you know, five minutes less ice time than he's used to. But anyone from the Penguins talking, I mean, everyone's talking about this 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 freak 
uh, Tage, Tage Thompson, who's just like completely taken over the uh, taken over the National Hockey League. Anyone from the Penguins have comment after facing off against them? Yeah, I will say this, you know, to your point about that game against Columbus, I'm sure you, like myself, we're all texting one another about uh, that game. It's, oh, he has three goals. Oh, he has four yeah. goals. He has five. Why is he not out there? Because I agree that would have been a cool thing to see. Um, I, you know, I understand the context of the game, but give the people a little excitement. Everyone was tuned into no, the Buffalo Sabres no. on a national TV I, game. Hang on. Let, let, me, let, me, let me pause on that. With all due respect, I don't understand anything about the decision. That that did okay, that, that, I, I I I I hate it from stem to stern, and the more that I think about it, the angrier I, I just like. I don't get this angry when I vote, Josh. Like, why am I getting so angry about not, Tage Thompson not not going for seven? But I'm just like, ugh. I just hate that whole like, oh, we don't want to offend the other team. Oh, we don't want to run up the score. It's not like you're putting your first unit power play out there when the game is eight to one. This is like a record on the line. Anyway, I'm getting off. Anyway, thoughts on thoughts on on Thompson from that from the Penguins' point of view. Well, you have convinced me. I now side with you 100. Um, percent But as far as, <laughs> as far as the Penguins Penguins' point of view, I mean, these guys listen. They, they've seen Tage Thompson, and I think I think they kind of have a yeah. unique perspective, Jeff, because they've seen the evolution. Really, when you look at that COVID year. To me, that was the first year where Tage Thompson started to, I think, realize, well, I have the physical package, uh, and if I can start to put mm-hmm. the points up, I become a pretty dominating player in this league. And that season, you know, he didn't blow up, but I remember the Penguins obviously played the Sabres eight times in the regular season, and there were a lot of moments in those games where you're like, yeah, the Sabres don't have much, but they do have Tage Thompson, and this kid looks pretty good. Um, now, obviously, they started the trend a little bit better in the right direction, and uh, he is he's a star. He's fun to watch. Um, the the yeah. players on the Penguins are impressed by the full package. Another guy they were talking about, too, Jeff, that I think is very deserving to find his name into the conversation for the Norris Trophy is Rasmus Dahlin because he looks really good, and he controls a game. And um, I think between oh, yeah. those two guys – and Owen Power in there as well. Uh, they have they have a nice little uh, blue chip young core there that they can build around in Buffalo. They really do. Here, one one final thing on Thompson, just to get it off my chest while I got you here. I got a, I got a sympathetic audience of you, Josh. So I'm gonna get one more. So I got a text from an NHL player yesterday who heard either th- this show or the, or the podcast where I was going on about it with Elliot. Um, he texted me yesterday. I also think here's another another point about Thompson. What if Thompson loses the scoring race by a goal or two at year's end when the horses are hot, let him run? Um, that is not from anyone on the Buffalo Sabres, by the way, but it is from uh, an NHL player. So anyway, turn the page on that. Um, how do you see the Pittsburgh Penguins right now? Like To, to me, I always have a hard time because it seems to, to change at a moment's notice, like it's it grasping a handful of water. How do you see the Pens right now, Josh? Now, playing the Stars tonight, we should mention yeah, and a, and a great matchup. I'm I'm excited to see how they fare against yes. Dallas, who I think is probably one of the better teams, definitely one of the deeper teams in the league with how Peter DeBoer runs those four lines uh, and their balance. But uh, I will say, I think when I look at the Penguins, Jeff, you know, a lot's been made. They're one of the oldest teams, if not the oldest in the NHL, and, and that can be a gift and it can be a curse. And what I mean by that is this year they had that seven-game losing streak earlier in the season, and I think around the NHL, a lot of people were saying, well, here it comes. Now the Penguins fall from grace begins. They're, they're too old. Being around this team, it's going to yeah. sound cliche, and it's going to sound like it's revisionist history right now, but 
being around them, a lot of those games were on the road. Uh, they just didn't really seem distraught by that. They didn't really seem down by it. In fact, they seemed like they knew they had a lot of runway left in front of them to get things going in the right direction. And, uh, man, have they ever. 12-2-2 uh, and in their last 16 since November 9th. It's the best record in the NHL. So they have turned things around in a hurry. The reason they've done that is not because of their goal scoring. It's because of their team defense. Because, you know, you look back a month ago, they were in the bottom third in the league in goals against. Now they're in the top third. Their penalty kill was, I think, third to last in the NHL. Now they're fifth. Tristan Jari's been on fire. Casey DeSmith was great Saturday night uh, against Buffalo. So it's been a team defensive concept that's really guided them back into the saddle like you see so often with good teams in the NHL. And I think that they can take this a long way. I mean, I, I said before the year I wouldn't be surprised if they won the Metro. Now, I don't think anyone saw what Jersey was going to do to start this year and has continued credit to them. Um, but that Metro division's tight, and they have a lot of divisional games coming up here to end 2023. So uh, I'll be curious to see if they can make a charge up the standings, but I think they're in the top three, no question. Uh, and once you're in, you're in, and anything can happen. You know, one of the things that we always wonder about with, with any team, and I know that, like, cap space is certainly an issue, but when you look at this squad and, like, when they're clicking, I've always said this about the Penguins, like, when they're clicking and moving the puck around and just feeling it, hit the stride, they're just flat out one of the most fun teams to watch, and, man, they can just rip off five wins like it's, you know, breaking sticks. Um, what do they need? Like, when you, I, I know, like, okay, I know what they need for the future, like, picks and prospects, but, like, for right now, like, we're not talking, like, Green Bananas territory. But, like, right now, this day, this season, this team, band back together, what do the Penguins still need, Josh? You know, it's a, it's a good question, Jeff, because I don't know the answer. Uh, I Like, I, I look at their team on paper, and I like their roster, and I think they have a lot of guys that fit well into particular spaces. Um, the easy answer would be depth. They need guys on the wings that can provide them offense. Um, Kasperi Kapanen had that, you know, that game a couple games back, the hat trick uh, against St. Louis. But otherwise, he's been pretty quiet this year. Dan Heinen's gone ice cold and has been a healthy scratch a lot lately after having a great start to the season. Um, they've really found something in a fourth line with Teddy Bluger, Ryan Paling, and Josh Archibald. So I think if you're looking for anything, you're looking for another winger that you can slot into that top nine role uh, maybe has some flexibility to play center at times uh, and, and can play with a Jeff Carter or play with, you know, an Evgeny Malkin if needed um, and, and have some success. So I think that's kind of where they're looking. I think they do like their defense. Uh, you know, Tristan and, and mm -hmm. Casey have really shored things up from the goaltending perspective. Um, and up front, they're top six when they're healthy. Uh, you know, that, that Raquel Crosby-Gensel line's been great. I'm looking forward to seeing them oh, and yeah. uh, Pavel. Pavelski, Robertson, and Hintz head-to-head -head tonight. That's going to be great. Um, and, you know, Malkin, Rust, and Zucker have been exceptional the last handful of games as well. So I love their top six. I do think they can improve somewhere in that, that third-line, bottom-six role, and maybe they target that area. But uh, I, I, I do like their roster a lot, and I think Ron Hextall and Brian Burke do as well. Okay, I'm going to throw a name at you. It's not a Pittsburgh Penguins name. I'm just going to put the name out there, and you just say whatever comes to your mind right away. Okay, you ready? Oh, boy, okay. Jordan Bennington. <laughs> uh, firecracker. <laughs> I don't know what I... 
I, I don't know what I enjoyed more. Um, you know, Bennington once again beaking at a bench or Jason Zucker just throwing his hands up and doing like the, I don't know what you call it, like the donkey lip and just going like, whoa, I don't know what you're talking. I don't know what I like better about that entire. Well, first of all, I'm just glad that Jason Zucker was okay after that because that's a really dangerous play. But that was yeah. one of the highlights of the week. Zucker doing the hands up donkey lip while Bennington came by to bark at him. Oh, that was that was a wild sequence because Zucker scores that goal, and then Bennington gets yanked, and then I'm in the process, like everyone else, of watching that interaction by the bench as Thomas Grice goes down to the net to relieve Bennington and toe picked into the goal and knocked it off its moorings. It was yeah. a, it was a, a comedy of errors there for the St. Louis Blues from the goaltending situation. But yeah, that was. That was entertaining. I mean, I think the entertaining part is more for the others now. The St. Louis Blues, based on you know some of the comments by Craig Berube and what they've said lately, seem to be pretty tired of it. Um, but, man, I mean, he, he definitely uh, has a short fuse, and he loves to run his mouth. You know, Jason Zucker, for what it's worth, is a pretty good uh, chirper with the best of them also. Um, he likes to talk when he can. So I think those two probably had a fair share of communication throughout that game prior to that incident, and it, it continued uh, with the oh, cameras yeah. rolling there at, at uh, the bench level. But I agree, that reaction by, by Zucker was, was, a, was a classic one. The cameras catching it was even better. Okay, let's see if we can get some, break, some, uh, some, some behind-the-scenes news on this. And any truth to the idea that Ron Hextall was considering signing himself to a one-day contract to play St. Louis? Well, they got one more meeting coming up, so that's not uh, that's not off the bar yet. It, it could happen. Um, hey, listen, if anyone was going to channel their inner Jordy Bennington, he might be the guy to do it. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Listen, uh, we're heavy on time, Josh. Always a delight. Enjoy the game. Like this is this is a really good game today. This is one of them. Pittsburgh Penguins and the Dallas Stars. We'll be watching. We'll be tuned in. Thanks as always, Josh. You be good. Thanks, Jeff. You too. Talk to you soon. There he is, the great Josh Getzoff, play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they're hot. Crosby's hot. Malkin's hot. Can't keep Latang down. I was happy. Part of me is like, mm, it's just 12 days ago, guy. This isn't a hangnail. This isn't a bruise. Anyway, good to see uh, Chris Latang back and healthy. Cassie Campbell Pascal coming up next has been put forward as a possible board member for Hockey Canada. And from Rogers Monday Night Hockey, Montreal Canadiens, Calgary Flames, we'll get to all of it. Our two is on the horizon. Keep it here. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, tonight it's uh, it's Monday. That means Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Uh, pre-game gets underway at 6.30 Eastern. Puck drops just after 7. It is the Calgary Flames facing off against the Montreal Canadiens. Two teams where there is never a shortage of things to talk about. One of the stars of Rogers Monday Night Hockey, alongside David Amber, Anson Carter, and Keith Yandel, is Cassie Campbell-Pascal, who joins me now. Cassie, how are you today? I am good, Jeffrey. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Very much looking forward to tonight's program, and I think that's the only headline involving you today, correct? That's it. That's it. That's all. That's all I know about is uh, Rogers Monday Night Hockey <laughs> with my legendary friends, Anson Carter, Keith yep. Yandel, David yep. Amber. Like, we have yes, no fun at all. Yes. Like, none. Like, I find I'm coming on no, the air no. laughing all the time. 
But other than that, there's nothing really no, going I'm on good. in my life, so... No, yeah, pretty boring, ho-hum. Just, uh, yeah, just uh, wake up and uh, put on a pot of coffee and go talk about hockey. Uh, so I, I mentioned this off the top. It is uh, it is one of the big news stories of the day. And it's been, listen, it's been a, a news story for a long time. And I know that you're very limited as to what you can say. This is just part of the nomination process for the uh, for the Hockey Canada board. Uh, your name is, is one of nine that has been put forward. The full slate went to the members on Friday. Um, and again, I, I know there's, there's not a lot that you can say my, my main, and I, maybe I shouldn't be curious about this because, you know, my wife said this to me over the weekend, uh, we were talking about you and she said, well, she's like dedicated her whole life to hockey and to, to hockey Canada. This shouldn't exactly be a surprise. Um, but w- why, why is this interesting or, or intriguing to you at this point in your life? Well, you know, like you said, uh, there's nothing really confirmed at this time. Just, you know, it has to go to the members, which the vote will take place on Saturday, which was in the press release. And, um, you know, this is this was something that, you know, there was a process. You you didn't just get selected out of midair. You know, you had to put your name forward and fill out a a resume and a nomination form. And and you, you know, I was put through the interview process of all the great nominating uh, committee members. In fact, I kind of said to them, why aren't you guys going to be on the board? Like it was such an impressive group, but um, you know, I thought hard about this because I knew I'd have to give up stuff. Like I knew, I knew that I probably wouldn't be able to be part of the women's program moving forward, which I've been there, you know, the last three and a half years. And I, I knew that I, I was a board member of the Hockey Canada Foundation. And I knew that there would be a strong possibility that I wouldn't be able to do that. You know, you just kind of eliminate as many conflicts potentially as, can be seen as conflicts anyway. So, you know, that was what right. what I struggled with, I think, the most. But uh, the whole thing that went down, I think, as a former athlete and, and people who know the people that were involved with Hockey Canada at the time, it was a gut-wrenching thing, you know. And it, 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 I hummed and hawed, do I want to be part of the solution? Do I, do I want to help make this better? And I happen to know that Hockey Canada does really good things, too, despite this incident uh, that has happened or incidents or whatever the case may be. Um, But I wanted to be part of the solution. And I also wanted to know who my teammates were going to be as well. And it's really an impressive list. I I feel, Jeffrey, like I have to read a lot more books (laughs) to be part of how smart these individuals are. I'm like, what am I doing there? You know, Um, you know, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. I'm, I'm committed for the year. And then we'll see we'll see where life takes us. But um, at this time, there's just nothing to confirm. You know, this could be voted down by the members. We don't know. It's their choice, and um, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Well, we uh, we wish you and the other uh, the the other um, nominees uh, all the best. And as you mentioned, ratification is on uh, is on Saturday. Um, okay. Park that for a second, uh, move on to the NHL. And two of our favorite topics, the Calgary Flames and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, for the Calgary Flames, we went into this season with a lot of expectations. Um, you know, Brad Treliving really took a, 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 a tricky situation in the offseason and, you know, uh, sprinkled Treliving dust on it and turned it into something good. Uh, there have been some challenges along the way, certainly most recently with the, with the road trip, the Columbus game and the Maple Leaf game on Saturday. And Montreal, like, I'll be honest with you, Cassie, we'll start there. They've just been flat, flat out fun to watch. 
You know, like I, there was no ex, there were no expectations for Montreal. You know, they've got a coach that's going to demand like accountability and hard work, and is going to be more of a teacher than than a lecturer. Uh, uh, you know, prefers conversation over confrontation. And you're seeing players blossom. You're seeing Nick Suzuki blossom, Cole Caulfield blossom, Kirby Doc blossom, uh, even someone like Arbor Jacki blossom. What do you think when you watch Montreal? Before we get to Calgary, what do you think when you watch the Habs? Well, I, I think, you know, I know they're not where they want to be as far as the playoff position, but I still think they're exceeding expectations. And um, and they're fun. And you can tell they're having fun. And, you know, when you get to the elite level, that's not always the case. You know, hockey sometimes can be a grind. And, it, you know, the professional side of it, it it's a great life. But it, it does. It can become a grind, especially when the wins aren't where they, they would like them to be. I just think a lot of players there are exceeding expectations. You know, you look at their back end and through the injuries with Matheson and Edmondson and, you know, key guys. And these young kids just stood up in a market and was like, they were like, bring it on, you know? And that, that to me just shows that they have a lot of character there. I think Nick Suzuki taking the time to think about taking the captaincy and doing his research and speaking to Shea Weber you know, that, 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 you don't just, you're not, you're kind of born with that skill, you know, like the character of that is just, you know, most young kids, they get so much attention and then all of a sudden you're asked to be captain. You're like, yeah. And just the fact that he took the time to really think about it. And Cole Caulfield couldn't have a better head coach in Martin St. Louis for him. You know, you think about, and I said this on the air one Monday night hockey, Marty was a guy that was told he wasn't probably going to play because he was too small. wasn't, you know, put on the fourth line when he first started. You know, there's no way. And he has just allowed Cole Caulfield to blossom on the offensive side of things and at the same time find a way to push him on the defensive side because we all know that that's something he struggles at and he's, he needs to get better. But the trust that those two have in each other and that special relationship just from sort of being in each other's shoes, so to speak, I mean, it was a different game when Marty played, but still, you know, I, I just, I, I just, it's just fun to watch. There's a ton of great storylines. Uh, you know, the fact that they hired Mary Philippe Glenn this year, like there's just a lot of great things that are happening around that organization. Um, and we're finally allowed to hear about it. You know, they put more out there on Twitter and social media. We're finally getting into the, the heritage and the history of the Montreal Canadiens. And we're, we're being shown the, behind the scenes more and and it you know it's always sort of mystic yeah. and now it's just really fun to pay attention you know you know the um, on 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 one point there with Marie Philippe Poulain, it, it seemed as if, and I I had heard this you know a, a little while before she was you know officially hired, that Montreal was just of the mind that you know we're going to figure out what she's going to do here. We just want her in, like she's going to okay. be able to do a number of different things. We just want her here. Like this is you know I, I you know it seems very much like that's part of the nature of this you know of this um, relationship that Poulain has with the Habs. It's going to start in one very specific area. And then we just talked about players blossoming. Like she has the potential to do like you're Marie Philippe Poulain. You can kind of, you can kind of pick and choose what you're going to do afterwards. People just, I think want that knowledge and, you know, want that, just want that person in the organization. To me, this was like one of the no brainers of all time. Um, Like we need Marie Philippe Poulain here this is the right place for her. Marie, take your time. Whenever you're ready, Montreal 
will be accepting and want you here. Is that the way it felt to you, Cassie? Yeah, and I think just so smart to think that way. I mean, she she still wants to play, and she's still at the top of her game and getting better, for that matter. Um, and, you know, just saying, hey, but we're not letting you get away. So whatever we need to do to make it work, um, you know, and I think that's yeah. something that she's made very clear to them. She still wants to play, and, and that's her priority. And um, But they've done some really good things there, you know, uh, Chantel hiring Chantel as their leader in communications and you know they, they've just really opened up the mystique and the aura of what the Montreal Canadiens were always about and that's what made that organization special as well but in this day and age you need to show people something you need to show them more behind the scenes you need to be a little bit more open because otherwise they you know they're just going to second guess everything and um, yeah it, it's fun to watch and I'm, I'm looking forward to the game tonight and you know, Calgary really outplayed them the last meeting in Calgary. 46 shots, one goal. I think Montreal had one power play chance, one. And it goes into the back of the net. So it was one of those games Jake Allen stood on his head. And uh, I'm curious to see how Calgary comes out tonight, knowing that they kind of let one go against Montreal back in Calgary. You know, it was interesting. Uh, when I was listening to you talk about Cole Caulfield and he has the perfect coach in, in Martin St. Louis, you know, there's a there's a player on the Calgary Flames who just got called up from uh, from the American Hockey League that I look at and say, like, I'm not going to compare him to Martin St. Louis and say he's going to have a career like him, but there certainly are the similarities. You know, you remember the old the old stereotype, and people still say it to this day. Um, you know, a a small player has to prove that he can play, and a big player has to prove that he can't. Um, that saying is still very much alive in hockey, uh, although it is changing. Uh, and when you talk about Martin St. Louis, I look at Matthew Phillips and I say, and I first watched this kid. We had him on a Friday night uh, junior game when we saw the junior package. It was me and Todd Warner and I think Damian and it was a Victoria, either Kamloops or Kelowna game. And here's this kid that just got called up at his, his season's, oh, season's over, still has to wear the, the full birdcage and the whole deal. And we're like, where's the rest of this kid? And then he just starts dancing everybody. And every single rung of the ladder, he's been told, nope, too small, you can't do it. And he's exceeded expectations, tore up the Western Hockey League, tearing up the American League this year. And now the question is, can he do the same at the NHL level, do you have a thought on Matthew Phillips, Cassie? You know, Jeff, I, I don't say this to be malicious at, at all because I agree with you. What he's been able to do at his size is remarkable. But I got to tell you, he makes Johnny Gaudreau look like Zidane Chara. Like, that's the truth. Like, this guy is <laughs> really small. Like, I mean, you know, I, yeah. I he's just a small guy. And he's so skilled. I actually love what Daryl Sutter did putting him in the lineup with Backlund and Rizichka. So Rizichka and him would have a little bit of chemistry from their AHL days. Michael Backlund's just a solid two-way player. You know what you're going to get from him. It rarely makes, you know, huge mistakes. Listen, that was a big night. Matthew Phillips, your first game of this season in the NHL, and you're playing against the Leafs and Hockey Night in Canada. There was a lot there, you know. And I just hope that Daryl continues to give him an opportunity to fit in an, in an area that he would thrive in. But it's hard to do that because who do you take off? Do you bring Toffoli down? Like, I really would love to see him on that right side with Lindholm and Huberto. Um, to be honest with you, I think he could add some speed there. And, you know, despite he's small, he, he's not afraid to go in the corners. He's not afraid to stand in front of the net. 
Um, but, you know, who do you really take off the top six? Jube, Manjapani comes to mind, those types of names. But, you know, they're just starting to come, Dube and Manjapani. So I think it is a little bit of a dilemma for Daryl as far as we need to give this kid an opportunity. He's deserved it. But who do I take down? Like, we're just starting to get Huberto going, eight points, you know, in his last eight games. Yeah. You know, we're just starting to get Lindholm going. Um, so, you know, as much as people want to see him sort of top six, it's been, you know, pretty difficult, I think, at this point right now to put him somewhere. But he's skilled. He deserves the opportunity. He's an unbelievable character person in the AHL. My husband, who is in charge of the AHL team, just rants about him and his character and, I just hope he continues to get a chance yeah. to get in the lineup and, and continues to be put in positions where he has a chance to succeed. It, it is so interesting, too, because we've heard, like, it, it's not exactly a secret that, you know, Brad Treliving, going back to last summer, was looking for, for one more scorer uh, up front and scouring the trade market, trying to find, like, another Tyler Toffoli deal, which was the home run for Calgary. And maybe the answer, you know, to your point has been, you know, with the Wranglers the whole time. I mean, you're right. Like, Ruzichka looks really good uh, on this team. Matthew Phillips, we'll see. Can he hang in that higher-end district? It's always better um, because it's not going to cost you any assets. It's not going to cost you any aggravation. All it's going to cost is a call-up, and it's always better when you can do it with your own crew. Um, are we at a goalie controversy with the Calgary <laughs> Flames at this point yet, do you think? I, I don't want to say it's a controversy because it's a good relationship. I think we had more of an issue last year when, and I don't say ah. we as in we, oh, my God, they're all going to be like, oh, she said we, she loves the Flames. No, I, I think there was a, 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 a goaltending controversy last year when when Daryl Sutter yeah. didn't play Vladar because he didn't trust him. He didn't trust Vladar. You could just sense he wouldn't put him in games. And I thought that was more of a controversy than what we're seeing now. I think to have a backup in Dan Vladar that can play, you now know he can play. I think that that's such a bonus. I think the expectation is that Marsham will find his game. You know, even last game where he loses, he was excellent. You know, the Montreal game that they lost, and that seemed to be the controversy. You know, he got a little, you know, uh, excited, I guess, if you will, with Josh Anderson and, you know, created, he just seemed out of sorts. But he stopped Josh Anderson at 2-1 on a breakaway. You know, I I think, unfortunately, right now, he's not getting the wins, but I don't think it's all on him. And, however, this is about winning, so you put Dan Vladar in. But I still see Jacob Markstrom as a great goaltender. He's a great teammate. I think he's handled this situation as best as possible. But I honestly feel that there was a bit more of an issue last year when you're overplaying Markstrom because you don't trust your backup. And so I think Daryl finally trusts his backup, and I think it's going to be good for them in the long run. But, you know, they got to start putting a string of wins together for sure. Okay, opinion time. So, Daryl Sutter after the game on Saturday. So, they lose to the Maple Leafs in overtime previous to Columbus. That's a tough one. Um, And Sutter talks about and hints strongly at officials being biased when you play in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Now, the evidence will tell you contrary, but I looked at this and said, one, Sutter is really walking a fine line here. And is really, you know, going headstrong into a significant fine from the NHL or some type of discipline. Looks like he, it's not going to happen that he that he you know was able to thread that needle. But the other one that I think about, I say, 
you know, we've seen managers do this. We've seen coaches do this. When you don't want people to talk about the performance of your team, bring up something about the Maple Leafs because the media will go crazy. Everyone will be up in arms and no one will talk about your team. Was that mission accomplished by Daryl Sutter? Like, I don't think people understand just how, like, I I don't know if sly is the word, but, you know, he is so good in his press conferences. And we all love to watch them because we're all wondering, like, what's he going to say? And he comes up with these rambling lines. And sometimes he can even be a little rude. And sometimes he can be funny. But he is so strategic. And if you listen to his press conferences, he will give you a nugget. If you're really paying attention, he will give you a nugget, something about his team. And I totally think Saturday night was just about deflecting. You know, you come through Eastern Canada, Toronto, and now Montreal, and there's tons more media. Things aren't going 110%, you know. And he is the master of that. And, And I don't think people realize sometimes, like, he makes himself look bad to make the team not have to deal with not looking good, you know? And um, he is so different away from the rink than he is at the rink, that's for sure. And I I just think, like, his press conferences, they're, they're always a reason for what he says. And I think now he's starting to bring in some of his assistant coaches to do some of these press conferences because he, mm-hmm. he knows that there's times where he's going to cross the line or he's going to say the wrong thing about a player. And so he... He knows the mood that he's in, and he can he you know puts Kirk Muller out there or Ryan Huska, and yep. but he is very strategic about his press conferences, and they're so funny. And I watch every single one of them pre-game, post-game because <laughs> he really always gives you a little nugget of some sort of information, and uh, they're funny. They are, uh, they are entertaining, uh, no doubt. Um, I mean, there are a couple of coaches that are you know must watch. Bruce Boudreaux. Uh, is must-watch press conference as well. Um, okay, I'm going to end on this one. Okay. April 13th. Okay, April 13th, Cassie, 2014. Okay. Against the New Jersey Devils. Okay, okay, that was the last time that Milan Lucic was a healthy scratch. It was the mm-hmm. final regular season game, and they wanted him and a bunch of other players as well to rest before the playoffs. That's the last time he was health-bombed. What did you or did you read anything into Saturday when he was scratched for the first time going back to April 13th, 2014? Mm-hmm. You know what I read into it? I, I, I know he's going to be so furious. I don't know if you saw his face at the last game, but he oh, didn't yeah. play very much. And he, he will, he'll be furious. But the thing that I think Daryl knows about Lucic is he's going to come back when he comes back. And he's going to be just fine. And I think that's a message that uh, he wants his team to see. You know, there, there's going to be some competition here. Ruziska's created that a little bit. You know, Matthew Phillips yep. gets an opportunity. That's created that. The Horner's getting an opportunity. That's created that. And so this is a message to me from Daryl Sutter to the rest of his team that I'm going to do this to one of my warriors, one of the guys that I love and care about. And I know he's going to come back and he's going to respond. And so that's my expectation of everybody else. And, you know, Lucic, he's had some tough penalties, you know, just some tough shifts, uh, you know, and and this little reset for him might be just exactly what he needs. Um, But this is a guy that Daryl Sutter will always take care of. And I 
I I know he knows he knows how to win. He's going to be important moving forward. Knock on wood if they're able to get into the playoffs and all that kind of thing. But I think he really wants to send a message of how, watch how Lucic responds. When he gets back in the lineup, watch how he responds, yeah. and that's what I expect from everybody else. I do not want to be standing in front of him when he gets back into the lineup. Um, Cass, listen, thanks so much for this. We'll be watching tonight for sure. It is Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Uh, and best of luck on Saturday. Um, this is uh, this is huge for, for Hockey Canada and certainly obviously uh, huge for, for hockey in this country. Best of luck on Saturday as it now goes to the members for, uh, for ratification. Thanks so much as always for doing this, Cass. You're the best. Okay. Cheers, Jeffrey, and, and uh, we'll chat soon. Absolutely. Cassie Campbell-Pascal from uh, Rogers Monday Night Hockey, one of nine put forward today by the Hockey Canada Nominating Committee. Uh, the full slate went into the members on Friday, uh, and now it is up to ratification. The, uh, the board... Uh, the the board the board is an interesting one um, as proposed um, by the nominating committee. We went over that in the first hour. There are a number of lawyers, there are accountants, there is someone with a uh, communications background, which is very um, which is a break, which is different. Uh, I think this is probably going to be a board that is more seen and heard from. I think transparency is going to be a big thing for Hockey Canada at a lot of different levels, and I think we'll certainly see that at the board level as well. And as I mentioned in the first hour, when you look at some of the names, um, you know, uh, the Honorable Hugh Frazier as the board chair, you know, his son is Mark Frazier. I think we can on that. I know that Hockey Canada, uh, the nominating committee, had some conversations with Mark. I, I can I can see, you know, Hockey Canada working with him in some capacity. Dave Evans, very close to Sheldon Kennedy. I think we can see that Sheldon Kennedy, as Hockey Canada redoes, uh, redoes themselves, I can see Sheldon Kennedy having some type of position here. Andrew Ference, um, has indicated some interest as well. He works with Kim Davis in the National Hockey League. Haley Wickenheiser, very close to Marion Jacko, um, who was uh, put forward as a nominee as well. So as much as you look at the list of nominees that uh, the nominating committee has put forward, it does sort of wink at what we could see down the road as well. Advisory committee, I'm not sure what that could look like, but it does open the door for a lot of other things. Again, as I mentioned in the outset, some of the criticisms may be, well, hold on a second here. Um, are there enough quote-unquote hockey people? He's using the finger quotations here if you're not watching on television. Um, how come there's only representation from three of the provinces, uh, Ontario, Quebec, and Alberta? Um, there are lawyers on this board. There are accountants on this board as well. We'll see where this goes. Uh, ratification is on Saturday. Uh, we'll bring you those results on Hockey Night in Canada and whatever other information we can cobble together. Uh, okay, Matt Marchese, my producer, joining me here on the program. Hello, Matty. How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. It was good. Uh, as we talked about, a nice little trip to Rama last night. Not to go to the casino, but for a hockey game. Uh, hockey. That was, that was a hell of they got a nice. They got, they, got a nice, they got a really nice facility up there. Like North Central Predators play there. That's a really nice facility they have up there by Rama. Yeah, it's it was. I didn't. I've never been there, and it was like, oh, this has got to be an old rink. And I walked in, I go, no, this is uh, this is pretty good. No. I know it's probably about twenty years old or whatever, yeah. but it certainly doesn't look it. It was uh, it was a nice facility. Yep, it's good. Yeah, it's good. So here here's the deal for today. So I mentioned off the top of the show, I both uh, really like and hate Ethan Cardwell for making me feel old by uh, wearing a Minnesota Fighting Saints shirt. 
uh, in the, for the Barry Colts yesterday, uh, and then telling me that his grandfather, not father, grandfather played on the team. Oh, it's just one of those moments, eh, Maddie? Like, I'm sure you've had them too. I'm sure many people listening right now have had the, oh man, am I old? Like, maybe with the first time you saw Matthew Kachuk in the NHL, you went, oh man, I watched his whole dad's career. Ugh, I'm old. Uh, one of my sons plays for uh, Rafi Torres with the AAA Markham Waxers. And I remember when he's been with Rafi for years, I remember when he started, I'm like, geez, I've watched Rafi's entire career going back to when he played with the Brampton Battalion of the OHL. Ugh. And now he's coaching my kid. Ugh, I'm old. Do you have a, an I'm old moment brought to you by hockey? There's lots. I mean, when I, when I was a kid growing up, I used to know everybody that played on the world junior team. And then when I got to like 25 or 26, I'm like, these kids, these kids are way younger than me. Like, what am I, what am I doing here? (laughs) Um, But it's, for me, it's like, it's when you start to, when you start to, to hear about, and then you see like Steve Eiserman was my favorite player growing up. And it's like, Steve Eiserman has been a GM in the NHL for how long? And Steve Eiserman yeah. is, you know, bringing up prospects that are, you know, 18 years old into the NHL. And I'm going like, I'm 33 and I, I would be I would be like the, you know, somewhat older uncle of a lot of these kids that are coming up. Like my um, a, a cousin of mine, her son plays for the Sioux. He's 16 years old. And I remember him when he was a baby. I remember him when he was born because we have the exact same first name. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And now it's like this kid's playing in the OHL and he's a really good player. And I feel old because I have a child now. Like, it's a really weird dynamic. But the hockey thing, like, I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you the the worst one, Jeff, is as a coach, when you hear the music that these kids listen to and you go like, I have no idea what this is. Oh, hang on. Hang on. The minute the minute you start complaining about the music, that is officially old guy territory. No, just I'm not even you know, complaining. I just I don't even know really what it is. Old guy territory. Yeah, I have no idea who these people are that are singing. Not one clue. None. And it's not <laughs> and it's not good music. I mean, that's another story. But there are there are some really oh, good go. ones. Old guy. Old there guy. Are some... <laughs> old guy territory. Old guy complaining about music. Old guy territory. <laughs> there there are some uh, there's some really good ones today uh, from Twitter. This one. This one is this goes along with what we were saying. This uh, from General Soreness, who tweets us all the time, and he always has some good stuff. Yeah. Um, at yeah. a wild game a couple of years ago, Welcome to the Jungle was played at the X, which is the XL Energy Center, and the teenager sitting next to yeah. me asked, "What band is this?" <laughs> <laughs> Again, music makes you old. That's a great one. Yep, I get yeah. that one. That's good. Uh, this Anything one from hockey Ty- that we got yes. out there. Yes, this one from Tyler Anderson is my favorite one. Um, had a kid ask me how we shot pucks with wood sticks. How we shot pucks. <laughs> I'll tell you, man. I, I picked one up like not too long ago, just uh, playing shinny. And I hadn't played with a wood stick since like forever. Not that I'm some elite player. But I forgot how easy it was to take a pass with a wood stick. That's the one thing. Like they don't shoot us. I like my shots a total fraud. So much of it is just the stick. But uh it's so have you what's the last time you used a wooden stick, Maddie? Try it and see how much easier it is to take a pass. It's remarkable. It's night. Yeah, I gotta find one. 
<laughs> go to the hockey hall of fame that's where they all are yeah um this one uh this one's a good one from robin i learned yesterday that aaron ekblad okay. is in his ninth season felt like it was a maximum five years ago we were discussing floor if florida was gonna move the pick or not and landis gog turned 30 recently that calder race doesn't feel that long ago <laughs> that's funny move the pick so that his draft was philadelphia i remember that one because Tampa tried Tampa tried to get to number 1. Obviously Florida turned them down. I want to say either was it Vasilevsky or the pick that turned into Vasilevsky was part of the uh was part of the package. But there were a number of flyers tried to get up wow. there. I think Braden Shen might have been part of the part of that offer, I think. Got to go back and look at notes. But yeah, there were there were a few teams. Like I know Philadelphia and Tampa for sure tried to get that pick. And yeah, there was a there was a lot of talk whether that uh, the Florida Panthers were going to move that one or not. Speaking of which, speaking of Florida Panthers, um, what I just learned recently, the 2017 draft because we're talking about you know L.A. Tovlinen and how he's on waivers and etc. So you know what I most recently found out. You know who the angriest team was at that draft. Like the angriest team was. No. Florida Panthers. You know why? No. I, I don't even have a clue. So they were select in the second round, they were selecting 40th overall. You know who they had as their pick that Dallas took, number 39, one right before them, and they lost their minds at the table when it happened? I'm trying to think of that draft. Dallas. I'll make it easy for you. Jason Robertson. Oh, man. That was a guy Florida had right on the list, and apparently Dale Talon was salty. I would have been, too. Salty about that one because he really wanted. We, we should ask Bukla about that next time we have Books on because he would have been yeah. the table with Dale. But that was, that was the guy that they had on their list right there, and, like, all the names were getting checked off to start the, to start the, uh, to start the second round. Boom, 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 boom. And they're like, holy smokes, we may have a shot at Robertson here. And Dallas went up and said his name. And I guess the Panthers' table was none too pleased and was only too happy to let everybody around them know that they were none too pleased. Anyway, what else do we have quickly here before uh, we uh, get to our next guest? I, act, I just got a text from a friend of mine. He says, I'm old enough to remember straight wooden sticks for $1 at Woolco on sale days. I remember they were 99 cents in a barrel at Canadian Tire when you bought gas. And your choice was <laughs> you could either get the red Titan or the white Titan. No, it's true. Like when I grew up in the west end of Toronto, like in, the, in the junction, Keel and, Keel and Dundas, there were two barrels. One of them was the red Titan, one was the white Titan. And if you filled up, you got, a, you got to buy a stick for 99 cents. The straight tie. I remember that. Yes, that's, that's how old I am. <laughs> okay. Okay, here, Jeff. This, right, one, so, this one will make you feel old. This quick one will make you feel old. Uh, this one from Mark Carvalho. Okay, go um, when I found out Connor yep. Bedard was born after I had already finished one year of university. Yeah, that's always a big one. I get that one. I know. I know what that feels like, too. I think we've, many of us have, have had that experience. Uh, okay. Uh, we'll try to get to some more of those a little bit later on. In the meantime, I mentioned the Dallas Stars and Jason Roberts from Dallas tonight faces off against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Very much looking forward to that one. Matthew DeFranks from the Dallas Morning News uh, shares his expertise on the team that he covers and follows 
the Dallas Stars. What's most impressive to him? And why is the answer seemingly everything right now about the Dallas Stars? Matthew DeFranks here in a couple of moments. Merrick Show continues. Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet Now. We'll be right back. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, a number of intriguing games on the board this evening. Monday Night Hockey, the Flames and the Habs. Pre-game 6.30 Eastern, puck drops just after 7. Watch that on Sportsnet. Later, the Oilers in the Wild on Sportsnet 1 at 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, and sandwiched in between there, a really intriguing game. The Pittsburgh Penguins facing off against the Dallas Stars. That one uh, at 7 o'clock. Uh, Matthew DeFranks joins me from, uh, who covers the, uh, the Dallas Stars for the Dallas Morning News. Matthew DeFranks joins me now. Matthew, how are you today? Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. Like I would imagine of all the teams to cover right now, like there's a handful that are really intriguing. And to me, one of the most fascinating ones are the Dallas stars, because it seemed like about, I mean, work with me here, Matthew, about five minutes ago, we were wondering if everybody was gone from this organization, like from Jim Nill to established players and the whole thing was going to get redone. Now we're talking about the Dallas stars as a legitimate Stanley cup contender. How did we go from everyone's gone to this team might win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it's kind of funny to think back to the summer when they didn't have a head coach. Jim Neal only had one year left on his contract. And you're kind of curious yeah. where, it, where it goes, right? Like you said. And then uh, they decide they get Pete DeBoer. Jim Neal signs an extension. And then, you know, having a, a heart trophy candidate doesn't really, doesn't really hurt, right? Uh, so I think a lot yeah. of what's happened this season – it's just some of their drafting, uh, you know, coming to fruition where you have even bigger grade, uh, a bigger breakout for, for Jason Robertson and uh, continued, you know, strong play from Mary Haston and Jake Ottinger and, and all those guys. Yeah. You know, we, uh, when it comes to Dallas, we focus so much on uh, the three from the 2017 draft where they put, you know, Ottinger, you mentioned, and uh, certainly Jason Robertson. Um, you know, the, the, uh, and who else did they have in that draft? Oh, the, I'm blanking on the defenseman's name. Haskinen. Why did I blank on the defenseman's name? Miro Haskinen. Um, God, wake up, Merrick. And Miro Haskinen, all from the 2017 draft. To me, if, <laughs> if I'm the Dallas Stars, I'm taking everybody, like every scout from that Dallas Stars team, and it's a long-term contract and also plaques up all around the arena. That draft really set this organization up for probably at least a decade when you look at not just the players but how great those players are. like Is, is that the one that everybody has circled and says, okay, it was the work that was done that year that set us up for right now? Yeah, and, and that year's the big one. Uh, you get a franchise goalie, a franchise defenseman, and you know, a franchise winger, all in the same draft. Uh, it's big, and, and that's really the one that's helped them kind of transition. You know, they, they, they've almost rebuilt without having uh, a downswing. Like, their, their biggest downswing was missing the playoffs in the COVID year, and then last year, losing in the first round. But, you know, now, that yeah. still may happen, but it seems like they're set up in a, in a better situation going forward where they can weather the the Ben and Sagan contracts, 
you know, the last few years with those entry-level contracts for those 2017 guys. And that's really been the key to their transition. I mean, last year was pretty much the first year they went from Ben Sagan, Klingberg to a Hastin and Robertson, Hintz, uh, Ottinger kind of led team, right? And so it's that draft. And they followed it up for some pretty good ones as well. Uh, 2021, Wyatt Johnston and Logan Stankoven. Looks like it's going to be a pretty decent yeah. one to uh, to build on in the, the next wave after the 17 draft. And you know, listen, throw Ty Delandry into that into that mix as well. Like there's like the the, the Dallas Stars. It's it's so interesting because we've talked. I mean, I know general managers hate using the rebuild term. Like, ooh, that's the voodoo word. Don't ever use it. Oh, we're just uh we're uh, we're retooling. We're uh, reloading. It's like so afraid to say rebuilding. But it seems to me as if, you know, Matthew, the Dallas Stars have done what every team that starts to slip downwards on their cycle tries to do. And that is the rebuild on the fly. Like, to your point, like they've gone from Ben Sagan, Klingberg, Bishop to this version. Like, of course, it's not going to be perfectly hand to glove, but pretty seamlessly here. Yeah, and it's I've kind of been curious as to how it actually happened. And uh, one thing that they, they truly believe in in Dallas is they don't really believe in windows um, of championship contention. They're an organization that believes in making the playoffs and, and go from there, which I don't always agree with. That's how they've ended up in 14, 15 for the last seven, eight years, right? Um, but it's with that philosophy that they don't trade first-round picks. They don't go all in on one season. Um, and they've used those first-round picks to draft well and set themselves up. So, you know, it's a philosophy that I might not agree with in in total, but it's something that set themselves up well. And, of course, you have to draft well, as well you know, but it's it's something that uh, they truly believe in, and that's why they kind of stagger some contracts from year to year so there's not a big change at one time. And it's a really big organizational philosophy um, that they've really turned into something that's successful now. You know, it's interesting. Um, Tom Gallardi is an interesting owner. Like, Tom Gallardi has, you know, essentially whenever Jim, it seems as if, and again, you're closer to it, so you let me know if I'm wrong here. Every time Jim Nill has asked for something, he's got it. Whether it's on the ice, whether it's off the ice. Like, Gallardi is, like, he's really close. Obviously, he's really close to this team, loves the Dallas Stars, wants them to win. But Jim Nill has been really... You know, afforded the luxury of having an owner that said, okay, if you can make the case, I'll give you the resource that you need so this team can be successful. What is the expectation now, as best you can read it, from Tom Gillardi all the way down to the to the team on the ice? Yeah, you know, I think they, they want some, some more postseason results. I mean, obviously they went to the final in 2020. Um, but as far as I can remember, they've been a cap team. And I know, I understand this season in the last few years, it's been hard not to be a cap team just with the flat cap and everything. But, you know, when an owner spends yeah. the cap and the maximum, uh, they, they expect results at the end of it. And they've, they've shown some postseason results. Um, I think given, you know, where they are right now and uh, kind of the underlying metrics, it doesn't look like this start is a fluke by, by any stretch, right? They're winning uh, – by a, you know, a lot of goals and like they're skating by on overtime wins or one goal uh, games that kind of can flip from year to year. And so it, it looked like a, like a real team um, in the Western conference. And so I think right now, if, if I'm Tom Gallardi, I'm expecting 
um, some results. Maybe, I mean, maybe it doesn't happen this year. I mean, winning the Stanley Cup is hard, but they've set themselves up to to be a contender. And I think if you set yourselves up to be a contender, you would try something at the end of it. Mm-hmm. What do you, um, I mean, Joe Pavelski comes in on the one-year contract. He's one of, you know, uh, he's a key member in what might be the best line in the NHL right now with, with Hins and, and Jason Robertson. Do you kind of see Joe Pavelski as someone, I believe that the the appropriate term is evergreen contracts, um, that he just goes on, you know, I'm going to do a one-year deal and see how I feel. I'm going to do a one-year deal and see how I feel. Do you kind of see Joe Pavelski as that guy now that he's, you know, 38 years old and I'm not trying to wind him down. He's still a point-a-game player, but, you know, in the in the, the, the back nine of his career? Yeah, it's crazy because last year was his uh, career high in points. <laughs> and then he yeah, comes back this wild, year eh? and he's still producing. <laughs> yeah, at, at 37, he put up 81 points. So, um It is my belief that if he wants to be back in Dallas, they'll make it happen. Uh, You look at his contract that he just signed last year, and it's one year, 5.5. And I understand that there are performance bonuses based on games played there. Um, But on the open market, he's probably worth at a one-year deal eight or so, given his production. Um, You know, I looked at some of the past comps, and you look at what Thornton was getting paid at that age and his production. And, um, you know, he probably could have gotten – around there and he settled for for five and a half uh, with bonuses up to six in dallas and i think it's just as he likes it in dallas he wants to stay there and i think if he does want to keep playing and does want to keep playing in dallas uh him and the stars will, will figure out the the right number but last year when he did sign the extension he did say that he just wants to go from on one year's now um because I, I think we've seen before it can go um and if uh, if you're stuck on a longer contract and it goes, it might not be a, a happy ending for you. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what what happens with Joe Pavelski because uh, you know they have him signed now. Uh, Robertson still has three more years after this one, so they have those two guys on there, and we'll see what happens with Joe Pavelski. Is uh, we'll we'll close on this one. Is uh, <laughs> it's funny when the Robertson deal was done. I think we looked at it and said. Uh, that's a really big bump. Uh, that's a really big pay increase. Eventually, it's going to be a, a, a good contract for the Dallas Stars. Um, already, it looks like a great contract for the Dallas Stars. Hart Trophy conversation, 23 goals, 42 points in 28 games. Last year, you could have made a really strong, albeit undercover, uh, argument for him in the Hart Trophy. Is this contract already a bargain for the Dallas Stars, Matthew? Yeah, I would say so, but it's still kind of crazy. This is the, the largest bridge contract in NHL history, right, that was signed as an RFA that keeps him as an RFA uh, upon expiration. So yeah. it's crazy that that is a, <laughs> that is, uh, a bargain and underpaid. <laughs> um, you know, and it, yeah. we'll see, uh, I think, in the long run, he's going to get his money, and, you know, we're looking at probably a, double digits uh, in a few years when the cap goes up and his production keeps on going this way. So in the long run, I think uh, things will even out a little bit, but in this uh, environment when, you know, the cap only went up uh, a million this year and we'll see what it looks like next year. And this kind of bridge deal particularly helps them now. Um, And we'll see probably help them more the next two or three years when the cap goes up by a lot more and that number is looking even sweeter at seven, seven, five. 
Such a sweet player. Uh, listen, thanks for sharing your expertise. Always love catching up. You be well. Enjoy the game tonight. Dallas Stars, Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, this might be the best game on the board tonight. Uh, Matthew, thanks as always for stopping by, pal. Thanks, Jeff. There he is. Matthew DeFranks covers the Dallas Stars for the Dallas Morning uh, News. Um, exit bonus, Inter DeBoer. We've talked a lot about the uh, the coaching carousel around the NHL uh, and where various coaches have ended up and some pretty big spots, and those teams are successful. Vegas, Winnipeg, Boston, and the aforementioned Dallas Stars. So a few on the board tonight here. we got the Calgary Flames and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, 7 o'clock Eastern on Sportsnet. That is your Rogers Monday night hockey game. I'll tell you, like I know that expectations. Well, there really weren't any expectations for the Montreal Canadiens. This was going to be, you know, another year of heavy lifting. Play the kids as much as you can. See what you have. Uh, over to you, Martin Saint Louis. If you haven't given the Montreal Canadiens much of a look this season, do yourself a favor, man. Like they're flat out fun. Um, it's a team that looks relaxed and loose and are enjoying themselves. Uh, any Martin St. Louis coach team is going to play hard. This one is no difference. Um, and he's been real impressive, like how he handles. Like there's no freak out moments from Marty St. Louis. So in in that regard, he's not the kick the garbage can coach. So he's has a more new school teaching approach, which is appropriate considering that there's going to be a number of kids that wheel through this organization as I get to what this next um, this next squad is going to look like. Do yourself a favor. Um, if you haven't watched the Habs, check them out tonight. We'll have that on Sportsnet, on Rogers Monday Night Hockey, Montreal at home against the Calgary Flames, who are wrapping up the roadie. Just talked to Matthew DeFranks about the Dallas Stars and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Talked to Josh Getzoff in hour one uh, about the Pens. Crosby is doing it again. One of the best players in the league again. Malkin has been elite again, and we all know what happened to Chris Letang over the weekend. 12 days after a stroke, he's playing 20, I think it was 22 minutes for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Rangers and Devils is always good, uh, is always dueling fan bases. This one is at MSG. This one should be a nice little bit of business. Uh, we talked about Wade Redden and the Ring of Honor. Uh, Ottawa Senators facing off against the Anaheim Ducks this evening. 7.30 start on that one. The Edmonton Oilers and the Minnesota Wild on Sportsnet 1 um, at 8 o'clock Eastern, Nashville. And we're going to find out here, if you're listening or watching live, in eight minutes, who claims L.A. Tolvanen? Notice I didn't say, will he clear waivers? Because I am... I am very, very much of the opinion that someone is claiming Tolvanen. Prove me wrong, NHL. Prove me wrong. Uh, National Predators facing off against the St. Louis Blues. That one at 8 o'clock Eastern as we bring in uh, Matty Marchese one more time here to wrap up the program. Of all these games uh, tonight, and listen, we do this show, so we watch all these games. I'm not sure how many you can uh, do at the uh, exact same time. I'm I'm like a three-screen guy. After that, I really find it's cats and laser pointers for me. Uh, how many can you watch at the same time, Matty? Uh, usually two. TV and then on my phone too. or yeah. tablet. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then I gotta, then yeah. if my daughter's in my arms, there's no way that I'm be able to watch three so I can try and push it, but it's very mm. difficult. Right. Okay. Well, we've got uh three seven o'clock starts flames and Habs on Sportsnet, 
Stars, Penguins, Devils, Rangers. How are you going to choose two of those? Those are three awesome oh. games at 7 o'clock, man. Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, like, I like watching Montreal a little bit just because I like that top line. They're just a lot of fun to watch. But, I mean, Dallas and Pittsburgh is yeah. probably top of my list. Um, but I'm very intrigued. Rangers have won three in a row. And, you know, the last time that these two teams played, that was the, the Igor Shesterkin after the game. I played like like Bleep. So we'll see how that Oh, that's right. Back. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, good call on that one. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll stay tuned to watch these games tonight. Uh, enjoy them. And before we uh, sign off, a big thanks to everyone who took part in today's program. Matthew DeFranks, you just heard from the Dallas Morning News. Cassie Campbell-Pascal from the NHL on Sportsnet at Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Uh, as we've been mentioning, it's the Calgary Flames and the Montreal Canadiens. Cassie also on the uh, proposed new board uh, for Hockey Canada, one of nine names uh, released today. That has gone on to the 13 members for ratification on Saturday, and we're all happy for and we wish her the best. Uh, Josh Getzoff from the Pittsburgh Penguins, their radio voice dropped by, and Elliot Friedman from the BOG, the Board of Governors. Thanks to Frank Baraska, Lance Kennedy, the returning Lance Kennedy, I should mention, and Matt Marchese. Merrick Show signing off back tomorrow, noon Eastern, across the Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet Now, and 360. Have a great rest of your day.